You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is it God who justified. It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love that passage because of the power and because of the truth. I'm sorry with the niceties, we just skipped right through it. I don't, good morning, whatever. Somebody said that already, so we're just going to keep going, okay? It's a good morning because we're alive and we have breath in our lungs and we get to meet together in the presence of God, amen? So let's just get right into it. This has been spoken over us. It is for us and I cannot, the Lord cannot. He has not allowed me over the last six weeks it's been. He has not allowed me to move past this passage. This is to be our anthem. This is to be our cry. This is to be what allows us to take steps forward. Because the steps forward that we must take, we must take in the understanding and believing that we are God's elect and that we are more than conquerors. You cannot take a step forward if that truth is not recognized in each and every moment that you have breath in your lungs. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? You cannot move forward in all of the grandeur and all of the majesty that the Lord has spoken over this house that is for us to do. We cannot establish the kingdom of heaven 
over the strongholds of the enemy. We cannot establish the kingdom of heaven in our homes and in our city. We cannot do it if we do it as anything but more than conquerors. Anything less than that will not do. I'm more than a conqueror on Tuesday. Doesn't work. I'm more than a conqueror when I'm at church because everybody else says that I am and I, it's easier to agree with. That doesn't work. And that will not work. You are more than a conqueror, period, and you are God's elect, and He has elected you. He has elected you. We know what an election is, and we choose who we elect. He has chosen you and elected you and placed you over the city that you're in. He has placed you over it. He's not established governments. He's not established uh, influential school systems and school boards and different things like that. Those are things that just exist in the world that we're in. They're in the world. They're not of God. He has established the church. He has set apart the church. He has anointed the church to lead these communities, to lead these cities, to lead these schools, to lead these governments. It is not our job to follow. Do you hear me? It is not our job to follow. It is our job to lead and occupy and establish the kingdom of heaven. Nowhere does he say, I have established that the governor of your city will be who I make my appeal through. No. The sons and daughters of God, he has chosen to make his appeal through. Now that can be a governor of a city. That would be great. I'll take that. But what I'm trying to tell you now that is, if we do not do it, there is no one else coming. And there is no one else to pass the buck to. This is ours to do. Amen? Amen? And so the Lord just refuses to allow us to even stand in a moment where we believe anything less than being more than a conqueror in God's elect. He just refuses it. And I know there have been days this week where I have felt less than that. And I've chosen less than that. And so I know I'm not alone in that. Those that fill this room are more than conquerors. Amen? Have you made it a habit to remind yourself of this truth as I challenged you to do last week? To continually remind yourself and speak truth over yourself. We talked about this in, in Sunday school this morning. But what is the first piece of armor that God said, or that uh, in Ephesians that Paul says to put on? What is the very first piece of armor that he says to put on? The belt of truth. The belt of truth. Before all else, he says, put on the belt of truth. For the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. You can't have access to those things if you don't receive truth. How can I operate the sword of the Spirit, walk in fullness with the Spirit that dwells in me if I have not received the fullness of truth that he's spoken over me? Can't do it. I will be wiped out by the world around me. We are to receive this truth each and every day. And if you will be a person that reminds yourself of this truth, and if you will be someone that continues to stand firm on this truth, you will also be a person that is continually, continually rejoicing, and therefore you are causing joy. When I get to the end of my days, and I walk across that beautiful gate into the presence of my King and my Savior, I want Him to say, you were one that caused joy. Whoa. I want that to be left. I want... When people think of me, I don't want them to think of, man, he was kind of a turd, or he was angry a lot. I want them to be one that when I was with him, I was joyful. Because I rejoice, and there is much to rejoice for, and this truth should cause us to rejoice. Amen? Amen. 
And why wouldn't we rejoice? We are products of the first fruits of the Spirit. We are products of what the Lord did in that upper room. We get to talk about Him. We get to be filled with His presence because of what happened that day in the upper room. When He released in Acts 2, verse 2, He released the Spirit of God like a mighty rushing wind and it fell upon each and every person in that room and they began to speak tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And Peter preached a message and that led to thousands of being thousands of people being saved and it led to the first church and then we see a revival take place within a city. We are products of what happens when you say yes to the Spirit of God. And look at the impact of that one room, that small room of people saying yes. The impact that we still feel today thousands of years later. He seeks to do that here in us. He wants to do that through us. Amen? Amen. I think I know the answer to this, unfortunately, but does that not stir you? Because I'm not looking at a people stirred. Don't think these three steps protect you from anything. I'll come down. This, this is wireless. I'm free to go anywhere. I'll sit next to you. I'll open this Bible and I'll preach right to you. This should stir you, but it should not stir you and motivate you and make you feel good about yourself. It should make you be stirred to action. We are human beings, but there is always, when I see faith, when I pursue God and I encounter God, there will always be action. Action does not justify, but action is definitely the fruit of those that pursue God. Because He has not called us to be a people that stand still. I would ask that it would stir your passion, that we would be a people driven by passion for our Father and for His kingdom. And as this passion is stirred up in you, don't hold yourself back. It is time to release yourself over this city. You are the army of God and we have been given the charge order. Now we must go and consume this community with the kingdom of God. Amen? You have been released, so why will you not release yourself? You have not been released to sit quietly. You have not been released to sit quietly. You have not been released to be stoic and meek and just, I'm going to sit here and no one's going to notice. You have been released for power. You have been released to establish freedom over generations yet to come. There is a school, Melissa articulated this. It's wonderful. I think it's so fascinating that we continue to get to have this bridge of ministry where ministry is just welcomed across the street at the school. And I mean, they sought Melissa out and asked her to come. And now she's subbing and teachers. She's the first sub of choice for these teachers in elementary because she loves on these kids. And it's a beautiful thing because she's not a teacher, so all she has to do is show up and love on kids. She doesn't have to worry about curriculum or grading papers. She just gets to do all the fun stuff. It's like grandparents. Spoil them, send them home. That's it, right? Leave the parents to sort out the mess. She's loving on these kids, but what we see, we are seeing generational strongholds established in kids as young as three years old. I'm having conversations with my six-year-old about generational strongholds in his peers in his class. Because he doesn't understand what he's looking at. It's, our, it's this prominent. And so I'd ask you again, is, is there any room for us to stay silent and stay still? No. There's 1,500 people in this town. And the Lord knew each and every one of them that would be here. 
And he said, don't worry, I'm sending you. So release yourself. There is no time to sit quietly and stand back. You are the army of God. And he has told us how we are to be released over this community. It's through kindness. He's giving us ideas. He's giving us dreams and visions. Uh, We had, again, Melissa talked about it. We had this Project Kindness meeting. It was wonderful. Some of the dreams and some of the visions and the ideas that people have had. And there's more to to come. There there are a lot of these ideas that are so big and are going to take so much Uh, so many working parts to come together to work and and have this thing work itself out. But um, it's a beautiful thing. I I love that I have to have multiple meetings because some of these ideas are so big. Those ideas are the ones that change cities. And the small ones too. But there were a lot of big ideas and there was a lot of hope, but there was also a lot of uncertainty. But it's amazing what God is calling us into, the things He's speaking over us the things that He's calling us into for this city. And there's so much love for our community. It it was really amazing. And uh, Shorty read this passage for us, first in staff meeting on Tuesday, and then again to start our Wednesday night meeting. I'm going to read that to us again because it's not left me alone. It's continued to, uh, to speak to me this week. It's Genesis 18, verse 17. 17 through 19. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what has been promised to him. And the what had been so profound about this was this question of God, should I hide from Abraham? Should I hide what I am doing? What I'm about to do? What I have promised, should I hide it from him? And God does not hide what he is doing. And he doesn't want to. Can we be encouraged by that? God is, he has no desire to hide from you what he is doing. He has no desire and He doesn't plan to hide it. For through you, He desires to release life to all of the world. Amen? And your obedience to what He shows you will give you life, will give life to generations. As we see here in Abraham's obedience, nations came from Him. It's so funny, just before this, uh, if you read it, Abraham and his wife are laughing. Abraham and Sarah are laughing at the promise that God has just released to him. That you're going to go, and then when you come back, your wife will be with child. And she audibly laughs. And then God asks, are you laughing? And she's like, no, no, I didn't laugh. She like backpedals real quick, like, I just laughed before God. Probably a bad idea. But it was just, like, there's no way that that could happen. It's impossible. And the Lord revealed it to her. What He was going to do through them. An impossible thing. And the Lord desires to release to us those same things. These impossible things that I can't see a way that this happens. I can't see a way through it. I can't see a way to orchestrate this. I can't even, I don't even know what the next step is. But the next step that Abraham was given had nothing to do with his wife having a child. It was all about establishing the kingdom of heaven as God needed him to establish. He chose him and he chose him to walk forward and to move in this way. And they're dealing with Sodom and Gomorrah coming up. And 
He, he just asked Abraham, now do this. Nothing to do with having a child. Just walk in obedience. And because of that, a way was made for this to happen. It brought it all the way around. You have no idea how the Lord's going to do it, but he brought, he brought it back in, in his will. All that to say that what he is revealing to us doesn't have to make sense. We don't have to understand or be able to articulate even the next step of what we're supposed to do as long as we are willing and able and we receive it and we are saying yes to whatever the Lord reveals next. Maybe the Lord is telling you to establish something here in Senate. Open a business or something like that. You're supposed to do it. And you're like, okay, I'll do it. What do I do now? And the Lord's like, well, I need you to go plant a garden in this person's yard. That has nothing to do with what you wanted me to do over here. But you have no idea what the Lord is doing. He's just asking you, he's asking us to be faithful to what he reveals when he reveals it. Say yes to it and walk forward in it and allow him to establish his kingdom the way he knows it needs to be established because he desires again to release life to all of the world through us. He desires to release the spirit of God through us to this community. God does not hide what he is doing. But the main meat of today, are we wanting to see all he is doing? Now that's an easy thing to say yes to in a moment again. We're in church. This is a safe space. right? We feel very comfortable saying yes to the things of God in a place where most people are saying it's appropriate to say yes to the things of God. That's what church is. right? It's become this place where it's appropriate to talk about Jesus. Outside, it's a little too much. It's a little vulnerable for me. I'm not going to talk about Jesus with you. But if we're at church, I'll, I'll say amen every now and then. right? We can't pick and choose anymore. So again, I would ask, are we wanting to see all that he is doing. Acts 2, 42 through 47, we should have this memorized by now. Because we've read this for seven years. Since I've been here, every time I've been up on this stage preaching when Randy was here, 90% of the time this passage was being used. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those that were being saved. Now, I've talked about this over and over again. We see in Acts 2, 45 right there, the obedience that they had. This is an act of obedience. This is not a call to all Christians. This is an act of obedience to sell their belongings and their possessions and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. And as you read, as you continue on, Barnabas, the son of encouragement, who would go on with ministry uh, with Paul and establish Paul's ministry alongside him, and he saved Paul's life uh, at the very beginning of all this, the son of encouragement, Barnabas, was affected by this work of obedience in Acts 2.45 because he was introduced to the apostles being one of those that was impacted by what they were doing, and he decided he would be one that sold his possessions and belongings and give it to the apostles that they could distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. That's how Barnabas comes into the picture. It's an amazing thing, this act of obedience. That is what it is. It's not a call to all Christians. It is an act of obedience led by the Spirit that they were just introduced to. Immediately, 
withholding nothing from Him, saying yes to everything that He reveals, a city, thousands of people began to walk in obedience to what the Lord revealed, which is just phenomenal because now we depend on a single person or a podcast or something to tell us what the Spirit is doing. And then we say yes and then we move. But these people allowed the Spirit to lead them and they stepped into it. And all of that to say, to see all, because it emphasizes this point so well, we must be willing to give all. And they saw all that the Lord was doing, that the Spirit was building in their city. And they saw all that they could see because He was doing a lot more because He was seeing us in that time. He saw this house and how it would be established in 1938 in that moment. In Acts 2.45, as they said yes to it, He saw how the Spirit was spreading and it would impact us in Sundown, Texas in 2022. Now, they didn't see that. But they saw all that God had for them to step into right then and there and they were willing to give it all away because they had found this Spirit of God that was better than life, holding on to nothing, including their life. Stephen, uh, I love his story just because he he saw God with joy even to the moment of his death. He rejoiced and he prayed for forgiveness for those that were killing him. There was joy and there was joy complete in him and it was overflowing out of him that even his death was not something that would take away his joy, but he would remain joyful and he would remain kind and he would continue to intercede over those that were even killing him at the time. He did not even hold on to his own life. But that would scare some. But why would it scare us? To see all, we must be willing to give all. Why does that scare us? That thought, really think about it. What if the Lord said, I want this family, give them your house and leave it and everything in it. Whew, it'd be big. Like I have kids. Where do we go? Why, why are we scared? And why do we hold on to the things that God blessed us with in the first place? Why do we refuse to live with an open hand? He works all things. Again, Romans 8, 28, He works all things for the good of those that love Him. Jeremiah 29, 11, He has plans to prosper, not to harm. Plans to give you a hope and a future. These are promises that God has spoken over us. So why do we doubt that He would do that in the moment He requires us to give all? Again, we've talked about this a lot. We're quick to forget all that God has done. Very quick to forget all that God has done. And I've seen, I've seen the Lord work miracles, but I'm quick to forget when I'm in need. God can't meet this. You know, we had a profound one this week. We've got a, a newborn, and newborn comes with a new discovery of things. Um, and just, I, I love my little girl, but really wish she would just sleep all the time like when she's supposed to not during the day like sleep when the sun goes down you sleep so then I can sleep but that poor girl she's not done anything wrong she's got reflux and so she gets really uncomfortable and we uh against uh just our our parental feelings that were guided by the spirit we we put her on medicine and that immediately bit us in the butt because we thought it was bad before, and then that just magnified itself completely. And Sarah and I just came to this place where it's like, okay, the Lord is saying, stop it. We said, okay. 
said, Lord, we've learned our lesson. We'll listen to you going forward in this. Uh, but would you remove the evidence of this medicine in her now? We've learned our lesson, so don't let, allow her to suffer from the things that we just did, the decision we made. She had no part in it. And I'm telling you, peace fell over her like that. And she slept through the night as if nothing was wrong. Now I'm telling you right, right here now, that was, that's a miracle. Because let's just think about what a miracle is. A miracle is not this. It, 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 it's God hearing your prayer and then acting upon it. The creator of the universe hearing you and then operating upon what you've just asked, coming to your aid because you asked him to come. That is miraculous. That the creator of everything that the universe that is still expanding would hear you, value you, and come as you sought Him. He would not wait for you to get to Him, but the second He saw you seeking, He would come immediately to where you are, and He would not just come, but He will begin to intercede on your behalf. It says this again in Romans 8. Not only does the Spirit intercede for us, with groanings too deep for words, which I don't understand that, I just know it's powerful, so does Jesus, the one who died that we can be reconciled back to, Christ, back to God because of our sin. Not only did He die, willingly give up His life in obedience to His Father and then conquer the grave, rising from the grave, and then now seated at the throne of God, now He gave you all He could give. He gave you His life. And now He stands before the Father with the Spirit of God interceding for you. That's a miracle. That is profound. He does it in such a way, He does it because He desires great and wonderful things for us. We know this truth. We know it to be true. So again, what is there to fear? Because He works all things for the good of those that love Him. Do you love Him? Then He works all things for your good. It doesn't mean... His heart doesn't break when your heart breaks. But I'll take, if there's going to be tragedy that finds me, I'll take a God that will work things for my good, even in the midst of tragedy. I want that. So again, what is there to fear? For who can stand against you because you are God's elect? He elected you to do His work, so He stands behind you and He goes before you. Amen? He has elected you, but He has not left you. He has elected you, and He goes before you, and He stays behind you. And so I'm asking you this morning, am I preaching to a fearless people? Come on. Yeah, yeah, his eyes got wide. He's like, he's not allowed to drop the Bible, is he? It's mine. God said it's okay. It's not hurt. Am I preaching to a fearless people? Do you find any fear in you right now? It's okay if you say yes. Because do you know what he might call you into if you say yes to whatever he has for you? Nope. What if he's going to call you nine hours away from your nearest family? What if he's going to tell you to sell everything that you have and distribute the proceeds to all as any have need? That would scare me. It has scared me. But is this truth not for you? Is all that we have read not for you? Or are you excluding yourself from it? 
Is Romans 8.28 for you? Is Jeremiah 29.11 for you? Then what is there to fear? Amen? I saw this. I've not been able to get away. We talked about David and Goliath. I've not been able to get away of what would have happened if Goliath spoke those terms to the Israelites of how they would fight. And then all he heard back was an army charging the field. That's like one of those step back moments like, oh man, I just messed up. Because now I'm about to get wiped out. Because a fearless group of men charged me. And I was thinking about that this week and I, I, I ask you to say amen a lot. That means let it be. I ask you to say that a lot because I want you to stand in agreement with me and I'll force you there if I have to. But as I was preparing this and I just had these moments where I'm like, oh man, I hope they say amen here. The Lord showed me when we say amen, the enemy in his camp hears an army saying it. And he's like, "Uh uh-oh. They're awake. They're coming. They're coming to occupy my territory and I have nothing to stand against them. I have no way to fight them. He hears. And he hears that we're not afraid but preparing to charge. To see all because we are willing to give all. To see all because we also are taking ownership that this is my city. This is our city, and this is ours to do. What the Lord has spoken over this house is ours to do. And when we say amen, the enemy hears this confidence, and he hears us say, let it be what God is doing. Let let God's will be here on earth, and it terrifies him. We must take ownership to see all. We must take ownership. This is not my city. This is our city. This is one of the interesting things about our meeting on... uh, on Wednesday, and just the conversations that carried off afterwards with the kindness project and all the things that the Lord has for us, having conversations with different people in our community and different leaders in our community about their ideas, their dreams, their visions for our city. And they give them to me, and they're like, yeah, good luck, man. And I was like, no, no, it's yours to do. I'm just going to help you. And a lot of them were like, I don't like that. I don't like that answer at all. I don't want to do it. But we have to take ownership. This is my city. And this is your city. But it's not just mine. I'm here to steward vision. I'm here to speak what the Lord speaks and reveals to me that is for you. And then operate in obedience. And my obedience is not to do everything for you. Right? My obedience to to be the pastor in this community is not to do and take your dreams and visions and execute them because they're your dreams and visions spoken to you for your city. Amen? Amen. And so it was just interesting. There's a, and I say that because there's a mentality shift. And the Lord said it's time for the children of God to take ownership of their city and of the work that I reveal for them to do because in Christian culture, we pay the pastor to do the work for me. I'm not saying we do that here, but that is regularly what we do. As long as I let him know what the Lord is doing in me, I'll just send him the little text. It's like, I've done my part. I'm going to go home. I'm going to go to lunch after church. I did my due. That's not it. 
That's not it for this community. That's not it for this house because He's spoken these words to us, not to one. Amen? It is for us to do in unity. And it's so exciting to see what happens when we take ownership of our city and we walk with intention, bringing revelation, dreams, and visions and ideas into reality, coming to life. He's de- he so desires to bring them to us and then establish them through us. For this work He has called us into is for all of us to do. Amen? In Matthew... Five, we know this well, but it's been on my heart this week. There's been a lot on my heart this week. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That is for you. That is spoken over you. That is truth about you. You are one to establish the kingdom of heaven in this city because it is our city, not one city. It is not just one person's to do. These works are ours to do to to lead this community. No other entities. It is no other entity's job to lead them. For none but us can lead them into the kingdom. Amen? For none but us can lead them into the kingdom. And the Lord does not hide from us, and nor does He desire for us to hide from them. He does not desire for us to sneak in the shadows, but to lead at the forefront. To lead the charge. To be those that generate the dreams and visions and ideas that are for this city and for the betterment of our city, because we serve a God of creativity who can creatively give us these things to do, and we can't even understand how He's going to bring them to practice, but He does it. He just asks for us to say yes to it and then walk in obedience to what He reveals next. So simple. So simple. Establishing a business that will bring life to the community, but He starts by asking you to plant a garden, things that would seem unrelated. But He asks for you to do it in faithfulness. Knowing that He will establish in you the things that He has for you to do. So let us say yes to Him continually that we may see all. And let us take ownership of all that He reveals. If He reveals anything to you, it is for you to do. And if it is for you to do and it has been revealed to you, then there is provision for you to do it. He has already made a way. He has already established this to happen. He's established it in you. He's given you favor. Uh, He will open the doors that need to be opened. He showed me this as well as I was preparing for Wednesday night in that meeting. He showed, he he was literally in this. He's going to create doors where there was once never a door. And then He'll open it to you. We think of Him opening doors for us of Him opening a pre-existing thing. that He's not restricted to that. He will create the door and then He will open it to you. So things that have no possible way of happening, He will make it possible because He will create the door and He will lead you through it. Amen? Thank you. Amen. That is the God that we serve. He will do the inconceivable, the unimaginable as long as we say yes. And there is much for us to do in this city. And I will continue to preach on this. I will be a broken record. I will gladly take that to heaven. I will continually preach on what it is for us to do in this city because I have hope that this city is to be more than it is currently. 
You know why I have hope? Because the children of God are here. So why would there be anything less in us? Even if there's one, Lubbock's a big city and it's getting bigger. But I know people that walk with the Spirit in Lubbock, so I have hope in, for Lubbock. Houston's a massive city. Terrible place to be. Yeah. <laughs> but I know people that walk with the Spirit of God, so I have hope for Houston. I have hope that the city will be established in the kingdom of heaven. And I have hope that what he has spoken over us is not just for this city, that this city would not be the only city that looks like the kingdom of heaven more than it looks like anything else. But I, leave, I believe it is to be among the first. And I believe that it will open doors to new cities, that the kingdom will establish itself profoundly in new cities because of the faithfulness of what happens here in this city by the people that carry the vision of God and say yes to it. Amen? This, this is to be the game changer. This is to be the gateway of heaven into the rest of our community. What we do here, what the Lord says here. And our faithfulness to take ownership of it and say yes to it and be willing to give all to it. All to it. I'm telling you, it's a beautiful thing when you desire what God has more than you desire anything else. There's freedom. There's no turmoil there. There's no... There's no stress there. There's freedom. When you desire what the Lord has more than yourself, more than your own life. And I pray that that would be true for us. Lord, I pray that we would be a people of passion, that we would rise up, that we would be a people that see all because we are willing to give all. Lord, I just pray that we would lead boldly this community that you have set us in. Even those that have not seen themselves as leaders, they are leaders. You are a leader. If you have heard these words, the Lord has chosen you to lead this community. I pray that we would receive that. That is for us. And if you have anointed us to lead our communities, you have also set a way for us. You have established our steps in favor. And there will be peace, and there will be blessing beyond what we can understand. So I pray that we would be a people that say yes, continually willing to give all, and that we would, we would say yes to this call that you have set us over this city, and this is mine to steward. This is our city, no one else's. For we are the sons and daughters of God. And we have been established here for such a time as this. So I pray that we would go forward in boldness. We would choose you each and every day, not just in a moment. We would say yes to you continually. Move in power in this place through us and in this city. Continue to bring us dreams and visions and ideas beyond what we can comprehend, but bring them and give us the boldness to share with others these ideas, dreams, and visions that you're bringing. Because in our sharing, we will find those that hold the key. We will be able to faithfully step forward knowing that you will establish these things that you have revealed to us. I pray that we would have the boldness to ask you for these things. 
It's the design of prayer. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. If we remain in you, Father, we are meant to ask for the desires of our hearts because they were placed there by you. So I pray that our hearts would grow with desire for this city. That our hearts would continue to be unbound. But free to grow. Free to grow in love and kindness for this city. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.